Hi, I'm Tom Salbeck from Cross Asset Strategy. I'm joined today by my colleague Eduardo Lacovari, Global Head of, of Small Mid-Cap Strategy. Eduardo, welcome to the program. We've seen a, a bumpy ride this year with the regional banking stress, and now things have calmed down a bit with balls getting back down to around 19 today. When you think about the, the risks looking ahead, uh, one of the things that came up was that on the large cap side, a lot of the companies are well-funded. They have long-weighted average maturities. They don't have a big percentage of floating rate debt, but maybe that's a bigger problem for, for small and mid-cap. What are you seeing on your side? You know, risk is very low right now. What should investors inspect for April? Yeah, so the point you, you bring is completely right. When you think about small mid-caps, they're on the wrong side of debt here. Uh, if you look at the percentage of their debt that is floating, it's about two times what you find in large caps. If you look at how much uh, their bank lending makes up of total debt, it's anywhere between 28 and 40% more than it is the case for large caps. So those are things to worry about when you think of a Smith. Look, I think things don't go up or down in straight lines. So we had a down March, and I think it's sensible to think uh, that perhaps April can deliver some short-term you know, bounce. Uh, if you look at some of the short-term indicators, like the AAII bulls versus bears index, is actually calling for two, three percent gains in in April. So, you you could face that in the very short term. I think medium long term, there are you know more things to worry about. And ultimately, I think this ends in recession with a smith down fifteen percent at least within the next twelve months. On my side, you know, when I see you know VIX at nineteen, you know, when I look at the compare that to the to the yield curve, which is pretty heavily inverted, um, and of course the the three month versus ten year is a very important signal that's that's very inverted. From our side, you know, our house view is very bearish. It, it seems like all roads lead to recession from here. And there's maybe <laughs> difficult to imagine a scenario where, where, where we avoid it. Either we get there from restrictive rates or we get there from credit headwinds or we get there, you know, maybe debt ceiling could be a contributor or, or eventually a bad earnings season and bad earnings season produces job losses eventually. I mean, there's so many paths that bring you to, to recession. You know, uh, what do you think that will, will be the thing that takes us into recession and how does it manifest in mid-cap? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to pinpoint what's the trigger always, but I think it's far easier to figure out when you're in that three sigma scenario where you don't wanna be. Right. Um, so today, when you look at the, like a lot of the things you're saying, when you look at the yield curve or you look at the PMIs or you look at money supply or you look at financial conditions, and these are some of the key leading indicators, they're all pointing one way. To me, it's a bit surprising that the market is actually looking as a sign that we're okay to indicators that are completely lagging. So, you know, unemployment, consumer confidence, that's the last shoe to drop. So usually, you know, you see companies starting to feel pressure, then they lay off people, then the consumer gets the message, right? And so I think it's, it's a matter of looking here at the leading indicators, those that you've mentioned and some of the ones I just noted. And those, like you just said, they're pointing down. So in my opinion, this ends in recession. What could trigger that? I think at the end of the day, look, year to day, what we've seen is that companies, at least in the small makeup world, which is what I follow. Um, when you look at the companies that have reported results here today, they've missed estimates, they've revised down guidance, uh, they've suffered downward revisions to consensus estimates, and they found the performance. So I think the message from corporates is, is already starting to show the side effects of, of the rate hiking cycle. 
And I think that will continue and I perhaps pick up a speed and pace as, as we go along the year. And I think it's that corporate picture deteriorating that will start to get us to understand that uh, there is more bad news in the horizon. I, I think, you know, on our side, for the most part, we're all pretty bearish and, you know, given your own cautious stance and to the extent Smith caps are a beta play, you know, shouldn't we, shouldn't we run away from Smith caps? Yes and no. So my point of view this year, as it was the case last year, is that these are not the times to really pound the table and buy a Smith, right? Basically, for the wrong reasons, but basically, look, investors think of a small mid caps as beta, kind of like you just said. And so chances are beta is not going to work when the world is incrementally getting worried. And that's why when you're thinking about recession, you probably want to, you know, take the foot of the accelerator investing in the Smith. Reality, however, is that if you look at the whole history of the Russell 2000, which is the small makeup index with most history in the world, it's had six recessions. And if you look at peak to trough of the Russell and peak to trough of the S&P in those recessions, the average underperformance of Smith versus large is only 560 basis points. So small makeups don't fall off a cliff, like some people think, right? And that's an index, which is really driven by a few larger market caps in the mix. If you actually do a different math and, and say, look, for those portfolio managers that are actually stock pickers, what really matters is what does the average return of the average stock be? And so if you look at equal weighted average returns, excel liars of Smith and Large in each of the last six recessions, what you find is actually quite surprising. And that's that uh, Smith half of the time falls less than large, right? And in some regions of the world, like continental Europe, in each of the last four recessions, you've lost less money in Smith than large. So the reality is Smith is not as much beta as people think. Nevertheless, because it is a perception and perception tends to sometimes, you know, uh, turn into reality. When you're expecting recession as you and me are, not the time to, to pound the table on Smith. Having said that, if you look at the Russell from the 2021 November, I think it was the peak, is down close to 30%. It's underperformed the S&P far more than it usually does peak to trough in a recession. So a lot of that underperformance is already behind you. Second point to note is when you look at valuations, Smith is actually cheaper than large right here, but not just cheaper, it's cheaper than it's been historically. So it's really trading at a decent discount. And then on top of that, there is a reality, which is you know, if you wanted to think about the cycle of equities from recession trough to recession trough, the time when you cannot afford not to be in a SMIC caps is the first 12 months post the equity market low. Because in those first 12 months, the Russell beats the S&P by 32%, right? So what happens usually is a Smith starts to rally against large or to outperform large before the market troughs, because investors know this and they want to anticipate that trough. So if you and me thought there is a recession coming, equities are going to hit another low, and that happens within the next 12 months, you're probably sitting here within six months of having to back the track on small makeups. I don't think the time is now, but you're not going to lose a lot compared to large from here on, and you stand to gain a lot if you give yourself a two, three-year view. One of the tricky things about the recent episode is that you know we had a bit of market stress, VIX went up. Uh, but at the same time, because the, you know these issues, they may have been perceived as, let's say, a U.S.-only issue, or maybe isolated to Swiss banks. Um, you know, it didn't necessarily create cheapness 
uh, broadly across the board. So, I mean, on your side, looking in your specific universe, you know, where, where do you think the, 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 the best opportunities are at this point? Is, you know, the whole thing about cheapness, like value, deep value, is quite an interesting topic because if you think traditionally what happens if we're going into recession, then the answer is you want to be in growth because that tends to do better. However, if you apply that notion to small meetups and look at it today, what you find is that the small meetups are actually showing quite a bit of valuation dispersion. And the part of the Smith that is expensive is crazy expensive still. And in fact, that part of the Smith that is expensive is the part that is expected to grow, right? So what investors are paying for is expectations of growth. Now, since 1990, if every year you started a year buying the top quintile of a consensus expected earnings growth in small mid-caps and shorted the bottom quintile, you made money 20% of those years. 80% of the time, you lost money doing that. So today, for that top quintile of expected growth, you're actually paying it 27 times PE. So I think today, you still, in small mid-caps, have to run away from high multiples on aggressive growth expectations and instead bet on some of those things that are almost guarantees in 2023, right? So we know wages are going up mid-single digits. We've done the math in Smith. That's going to have a huge impact on, on those small mid-caps with higher salary expense to EBITDA. So for example, the top quintile of that is going to lose 40% of EBITDA just from a mid-single digit increase in wages this year. So avoid labor-intensive businesses, right? Focus on labor life. Second, you know that interest rates and interest rates going up are going to do a number in a small mid-caps. In fact, when you run the numbers, some companies are going to see interest expense double and triple this year. Avoid leveraged balance sheets, right? Third, you know that this year is a year of margin pressure because top line is slowing, cost of goods sold are still keeping up with inflation. Then you have the wage, you know, the salary increase and you have interest rates having gone up. So it's, it's margin pressure. It's the perfect storm for margin pressure. Look for stocks with pricing power. And a proxy for that is high margin businesses. Fourth, we know that expectations, consensus estimates are way high and they are being revised down and at an accelerated pace. So January, negative 0.6% in the US, February, 1.3% down, March, 1.9% down, right? It is picking up esteem. So avoid high expectations. And then last, realize that since the beginning of last year, 30% of US small mid-caps, in fact, you can do this in pretty much every region of the world, 30% of mid-caps are down already more than 40%. Well, 40% of mid-caps are barely down, if at all, right? So anything you do has to start with evaluation. And today, when you look at deep value, going to the point you were making, you find a ton of deep value in small mid-caps. If you look at companies below one times book, which is below replacement value, it's actually 25% of U.S. Smith. It's 30% of U.K. Smith. These numbers are near all-time highs, right? So there's plenty of the value. Don't overpay for a thing. Exactly. Yeah, sounds good, uh, Eduardo. And, and if I can put you on the spot for, for your three top stock picks? Three top stock picks. I would say Decra Pharmaceuticals, Dermapharm, and Higma. These are three healthcare stocks. Therefore, defensive plays very cheap, down 30, 40% each already, right? Free cash flow positive. So I think this, this is kind of a good mix. You have a good balance sheet, you have a free cash flow generating business, you have a business that is not exposed to the macro, 
and it's a business that for different reasons has already taken it on the chain. That's kind of the, the stuff that I want to be invested in at the moment. Sounds great. Well, Eduardo, thanks for joining us and thank you all for tuning in to JP Morgan TV.